Hi, everyone. Welcome to the live infrastructure water roundtable. This is our first episode today. Uh, we're waiting on two other uh, guests that are going to join us, Sanjay and uh, Michael Simpson. They're a little delayed today, uh, but today we are going to start with Chuck Hansen with ElectroScan and Sean O'Dell, who's with Baxter and Woodman. And uh, we'll start off with introductions. Chuck, go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, uh, I'm uh, uh, relatively new to the industry. I think I think <laughs> I'm, I think I passed my 40 years uh, when I started Hanson Software with my dad in 1983, and we were doing mainframe computer programs even before there. So um, selling that company out, uh, retired for a little bit, uh, got hoodwinked uh, from uh, from some folks to get back in the business, and uh, now the chairman CEO of ElectroScan and investor in a couple of startups uh, in the clean tech world. Um, and so I'm here with this illustrious group from Sacramento, California. Love it. Thank you, Chuck, for joining us. Sean, you're up next. Hello. Thank you, Chad. Uh, Sean O'Dell here from the Chicagoland area. I'm a 20-year vet, so 40 years. Congrats, Chuck. That's pretty awesome. So I'm 20 years in, about halfway done, feeling pretty good. But I've worked for Baxter Woman for all 20 years. I've risen the ranks from project engineer up to board of director. I'm also on the American Public Works Association National Board Directors and looking to take that to the next level. So great to be here and happy to help join the conversation. So thank you, Chad. Yeah, thanks, Sean, for joining us. And Sanjay, thank you for making it, man. I, I wasn't sure. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. Introduce good. yourself and let us let us know what you do. So hi everybody, my name is Sanjay Pujari. Uh, I'm the CEO and founder uh, at Saya Life. So at Saya, we have a smart water management platform and the focus is to provide the knowledge of water to all the ecosystem uh, that uh, whose you know, economy depends uh, on a good supply and, uh, of water through infrastructure uh, entering a large multi-tenant buildings. So we have a system that um, detects leaks, monitors consumptions, pro uh, uh, provides information uh, to the property owner, to the tenants, uh, to insurance companies, as well as to utilities. Um, my background has been uh, in the technology space. I worked at uh, Cisco uh, for several years, uh, focusing on IoT uh, technology. And I took that knowledge and uh, started this company a few years ago. And awesome that's how I bumped into Sanjay. Yeah, you have a thank lot you. of great technology that we're going to cover and talk about. That's for sure, Sanjay. Uh, and thank you for joining us. Uh, Michael Simpson, you're up next. Wow, that's exciting. <laughs> uh, we started off clapping. Yay! Let's go. Hey, everybody cheer. <laughs> everybody cheer. So uh, I'm Michael Simpson uh, with ME Simpson Company. Uh, it's a family-owned service company providing uh, technical services to water and wastewater utilities. Uh, we've been in business for 44 years. This is my 40th year here at Emmy Simpson Company. And a long time ago, I was like Sean, and I was on the AWWA Board of Directors and did all that fun stuff. Now I'm more of an old curmudgeon and... Uh, hang out with chuck hansen because it's, <laughs> we we belong to the old people's club so well I'm, I'm glad you're all here because we have a lot of experience and man i i bet you've 40 years with michael simpson chuck you've been in business 
40 some years too. And Sean, you, you've been 20 some years, Sanjay, you've been in it over 10 years at least. So hundred some years of experience years. here. I'm, I'm, I'm new to the water space. So I'm, I'm learning more. I, I came out of the sewers, you know, so I'm, I'm starting to learn more about the, the water problems and, and how big of a problem it really is. It's, it's, it's kind of amazing. Uh, 2.2 million miles of water system throughout America, 55,000 utilities roughly. Right. So, now we have this EPA requirement uh, to to start looking at lead, lead in the sewer system. And it's not old, you know, it's not nothing new. It's stuff we've been talking about for, you know, the past decade, right? But now we want to get rid of the lead out of the water pipes. And now in order for us to do that, there's a lot of things we're going to have to inspect or find. And that's, and that's where is the lead, so to speak. Um, so... I'd like to start it off with each of you and, and you know, kind of get a perspective. Uh, and I'll start with Sanjay. Sanjay, uh, what is your perspective on how we could look at water systems better, uh, particularly to find lead and, you know, maybe even how we can better optimize the water system? Uh, thanks, Chad. <clears throat> so I think this has been one of the, the biggest challenges if you're looking at uh, the, the supply of water um, uh, from your um, from the source to the utility companies where they actually do the reverse osmosis process and all of the stuff that they need to do before they push water out to the last mile and and what we what we've seen is uh, with all the infrastructure development that goes on especially out here in California with the forest fires and all it's not just lead there's so many other things that get into the water system and we don't get, we don't know what we are getting uh, when we you know turn on the the tap in the home. So having real time information uh, on what's coming into the pipes is something that we have been looking at our current uh, technology with water. So providing information knowledge about uh, pressure, temperature, rate, water, maybe you know uh, trying to figure out. Uh, uh, what your what what you're getting at source, and then what you're getting at your um, at your node at your endpoint, the the line coming into your home. If you can constantly monitor what's happening real time, um, you can put solutions in place. So we are in the business of um, you know providing that knowledge uh, to each and every node that we have, <laughs> supplying water into the property into the home. Etc. So I think that's where you can then come up with a set of solutions depending on the problem, right? I think it, I don't think a single uh, solution fits for you know all of these issues you're seeing. So right. that's my little take on this problem here. Well, thanks for responding to that. That's a great point, Chuck. You want to add to to that? Well, <clears throat> you know, you, you take a look at this lead issue. This all started with Flint, Michigan. Uh, you know, that was ground zero for this. And, and you know, to really get into the knickers of what, what was happening, in many cases, uh, the high lead readings, uh, some of those homes had no lead pipes. They had no lead service connections. Uh, and there was, uh, after a long period of, of treatment to their, to their pipes, coatings, um, changing the water source started breaking that down and, and uh, lead really from the main started getting to the system. And along the way, they started finding lead pipes. What, what I'm finding now is, is, is 
is just uh, uh, a, a total unknown area. For the first time ever, we now have 50,000 water utilities, drinking water utilities, that are now being asked by the EPA to inventory their service lines, not just from the main to the meter. And I understand some of the some of the some of the meters are in homes in the northwest and so on, but uh, which is typically the utility-owned portion, right? But now they have to inventory the entire extended segment, and in many cases out here in the west, from the meter to the house. Um, and the GIS is, I mean, bless Jack Dangerman's heart uh, for, for really revolutionizing how we could digitize and create maps and doing those things. But unfortunately, the majority of mapping systems that are out there, uh, nobody, it was not cost beneficial to digitize the service line from the meter to the house. And so Jack came up with a very novel approach, uh, which was fantastic. Hey, let's let's create a parcel, let's find the centroid for that parcel, and let's just do what's called the near command or the snap command, and let's, let's take that parcel to the closest main, whether that's the right main or not. Right. And so you got a single stick of pipe that represents this thing, um, which is absolutely not accurate. So if you're large, small, urban, earl, public, private, um, you have no inventory of, of the connection and, and you now have a deadline of October 16th, 2024 to find your lead pipes, which are arguably on the low end, 6 million in the United States, on the high end, 20 million or more. So it's, it's in some cases, it's like finding a needle in a haystack, but, it's, but having this be on the private side is just thrown all the water utilities uh, uh, up in arms of what to do and how right. to do it. Right. Because normally, Chuck, uh, those type of things aren't handled by the municipalities. They're they're private. <laughs> they're private lines. So the private side should, uh, you know, handle those and repair those or replace those. Um, Sean, I'm going to, before I go to Mike, because uh, I know Mike's ready to go, Sean, I'm going to put an engineer perspective in the middle of this just to kind of break up it, you know, give it a little space. Uh, Sean, you're up next, buddy. There you go. No, thank you, Chad. Um, yeah, no, these are all really good perspectives. And there's a lot of different angles with this. But I really start first off with, um, I think a lot of us are here in the water sector because we want to make the world a better place. We want public safety and health um, and having really thriving communities to be our number one priority. So from that perspective, I know there's a lot of um, regulations coming out, whether it's lead or other different sectors. And it's, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow because of the unfunded mandate part of this. Um, to be honest, that, I think that's probably the, the biggest part of this whole thing, which which our clients struggle with. We're helping 200 plus uh, clients here in Illinois and around the around the U.S. But who's going to pay for it? Again, yeah. we're talking about this is on the, the public side. So does the public pay for this? Those folks don't have enough money to, to pay the $15,000 for new service. Or does the public utility pay for it? Or is there grant funding? Like if this happened back in 1980 when I was born, there would have been this huge federal funding and everyone gets money and we just like take care of everything. But that's not the way it is anymore. Obviously, there is loan funding to help with these things, but it's not perfect and it's not out there. So so who is in charge? Who is owning it? Who is going to pay for it? Are all different things. But in, in general, I like the fact that we're trying to improve public health and it's going to be a step by step process. It'll take some time. But inventorying what you got, 
planning for replacement and then ultimately replacing that over time. Um, I think I think that makes sense to me. The question is at what cost and who's going to pay for it. So that's why I'm here to help. Yeah. Oh, thanks, John. That's a good perspective. And uh, one thing before I jump the mic is anyone that's listening wants to post comments, has questions. I totally forgot to add that to the beginning. So please sign up, uh, you know, make a comment. Let us know you're there. And any questions or concerns you might have, we'll we'll get it answered. Mike, you're up next, my friend. Well, I, I want to go back kind of to the beginning and uh, and uh, somewhat disagree with Sanjay uh, simply because uh, the water industry is the most regulated industry in this country. Uh, and when you say statements like you don't know what's in your water, uh, I would argue that that's a, a, at the very least, a poor statement, if not a false statement. Uh, every water system does a, does a, a report on an annual basis uh, naming all the chemicals, all the contaminants, all the whatever's in the water system. And Chuck is correct. What caused the lead firestorm is what happened in Flint. And that was unbelievable criminal negligence on the behalf of Region 5 EPA, Michigan DEQ, and government officials all in the zeal to save money. And they poisoned people as it were simply by doing that, trying to save money. But when we talk about knowing what's in your tap water, I refer you to every water department's website and you can look at their CCR and you'll know exactly what's in your tap water. Now, if you don't like what's in it, then you as an individual get to decide what to do. But when we're talking about infrastructure, and this is 40 years of, of knowledge and let me assure you, I worked in the field before I got this fancy office and this, uh, this nice chair uh, and got old. Uh, <laughs> people didn't keep good records. People kept no records. And, and Chad, you know, I think Chuck said it. I mean, the problem is from the meter, it, it doesn't matter whether we're here in the Midwest where the most of the meters are in the basement or we're in California, where most of the meters are at the property line, most utilities, basically the service line, you know, at a point from the water main for a lot of communities, from the water main to your house, no matter where you want to end it, is your problem, not theirs. It's in their ordinances. They're not responsible for it. Yep. Now, our friends at the federal government, so, so consequently, because they weren't responsible for it, no one ever inventoried it. People have zero records. I'm, we're talking to people here just in the Chicago metro on a daily basis. They have thousands of services, and their response is, no idea. No idea. We know we have a service going to that house, and I know where the B-box is to turn it off. But that's the end of it. And I know what the water meter is in the house because we put the water meter in. You know, the records were abysmal. And, and because of GIS, records are improving and changing. But as Chuck pointed out, one of the biggest mistakes is my favorite one is when people tell me, Mike, I got a new GIS system. We've got it all. And I say, always say the same thing to them. Uh, 
where did you get the information to put in the GIS system? Uh, oh, from our maps. I said, the maps have dated 1978 when I graduated <laughs> from high school on them. Yeah, those maps. Great. <laughs> Great. You mean the ones with the pencil marks where you drew three subdivisions in by hand? Did you get those in? We think so. So, I mean, that's one of our biggest problems in infrastructure is the record keeping until today, until Chuck created Hanson software and we built and, and it improved beyond that into these higher end data management GIS systems, whatever acronym you want to give them. Everything prior to that was a hand-drawn map uh, courtesy of, of, of Sean when he was in high school at Baxter and Woodman uh, that came on a mylar that sat in a drawer. And so records are really, really one of our biggest problems. Right. And being, being so disjointed with 50,000 different water departments across the U S you can see why there are confusion and problems. Yeah, good points, Mike. Uh, there's, I'm going to go back to Sanjay because I think uh, Sanjay could probably, we kind of hit him right off the bat, let him start talking. He's probably just getting uh, adjusted to everything. Sanjay, uh, just going to give you a little bit of time to talk about what Mike brought up. Uh, yeah, sure. I think Mike uh, has, uh, I mean, he, he did uh, bring up a good point. Uh, when, I, when I started this company, we were part of the clean tech incubator in LA, which was run by the, the, the local utility, the Los Angeles Water and Power and the Metropolitan Water District. So one of the things when we were talking about our solution with monitoring, uh, uh, monitoring water at the node itself, I think they were uh, what we were discussing, what I was trying to bring up is, Yes, the utility company does a lot of testing. There's reverse osmosis. There's, there's all kinds of setups. They took us on a tour um, of the amount of um, you know diligence that goes into the the, the water supply system that goes out uh, to all the different uh, locations around uh, Southern California. But what I was trying to bring up is the the infrastructure that carries water to the end users. Uh, that's where the problem is. A, lo a lot of times you don't even know uh, if there is a rupture in a pipe somewhere, uh, infrastructure damage. I see broken pipes all over the place. Nobody is uh, looking at it. It takes a few days before someone goes and fixes some of these problems. Uh, and, and, and forest fires, you know, you have so many uh, 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 you know, fires coming up around our area here uh, and they put chemicals on the fire uh, there's a lot of uh, reports that come out saying, you know, uh, is that contaminant going into the water system? Uh, so in addition to just uh, uh, deteriorating uh, infrastructure where uh, pipes are, uh, are getting bad, it's very old. Lead pipes are, over, I think, over 100 years old, and, and I think that's their life. It doesn't last more than that. So I think what I was trying to bring up is that the infrastructure is the problem, uh, and when you're getting water in your home. Um, when I said we are not sure what's in the water, I meant we are not sure what happened to the water since it left the source and got to my home. And, and, and all the testing we've done, we've seen different results in, in LA versus Orange County versus other locations. We've done 
uh, water testing and I've seen different results. And that's what I was trying to bring up. And I'm, I don't claim to be an expert in this field by any means, but I'm just uh, going with experience yeah. and going with the testing that we've done, uh, trying to qualify our system with the local utility. Good point, Shanjay. Uh, so I'm going to add a couple of things to this to make it a little, get a twist going here. All right. So you guys brought up a bunch of good points. Uh, so everything comes down to construction 40 years ago, 50 years ago, right? That's where it all starts. We built developments. We put in uh, certain types of materials that the plumbing, you know, construction guys could use to install the service lines. We didn't put anything as far as what faucets you can put in your house or what type of you know, devices you can get water from inside your house. And it sounds like, you know, lead is in faucets. It's in those uh, appliances inside your house in some circumstances. But we don't have, so we don't have the, the, the historical data from when we built these developments. We have these service lines. We don't know how they were soldered together, whatever uh, was put in place in these service lines. And now we're forcing uh, basically the utilities to repair them. Uh, but it does come back to the municipality a little bit, even though it was 50 years ago when these developments were put in, they're the ones that were designing the developments, right? I mean, it's not the taxpayer that was like, Hey, I'm going to pick this service line or whatever. I'm going to pick this. They basically put the developments in place, had a construction company come in, start laying the groundwork, build these uh, residential homes. And that was it. So why wouldn't the utilities be responsible then? Because they were part of the development. Go ahead, Chuck. Well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good point. Uh, you, you know, what's, what's going on underground, uh, you know, at the customers. I, I mean, I saw a number of, of how much has been spent just on the customer side of the house because we've had plumbers coming. And that number, I thought, over the last 50 years was something like $50 trillion. So let's, I was just in Miami yesterday. Uh, where we had we had a you know kicking off a road show with uh, Miami Dade, Miami Beach, and Hollywood, and uh, I can tell you they stopped using uh, uh, lead uh, as a requirement uh, in the seventies, even though lead wasn't banned until I think it was nineteen eighty six, um, and so and so there's no lead, Un unfortunately because of all the building that was going on. Um, you know, it, it, they, they didn't have the control over what the contractor was putting in mm -hmm. and that's where the surprises come in. And, and that's where that's so, so where they have a high rate of confidence of what they're, what they've got, you know, at least for the meter, they, they don't have, they have virtually no confidence. Um, and, and what they're trying to now understand, and there's a lot of good programs out there. You know, you look at, you look at the companies like Blue Conduit and Trinix and Voda. Um, you know, uh, companies that are now trying to accumulate, uh, you know, using this limited information and trying to do probabilities of this just to just to maybe focus on what a utility should look at, because nobody is going to be doing 100 percent inventory of these of these of these service connections. They, they just can't. There's not enough money for that, uh, even though state drinking water revolving funds are there to use that. And according to the EPA website, if you get a purchase order to buy something or buy services, you may even be able to get money from the state revolving fund before you even have to pay that supplier. But what we're finding is that we're now having to deal with, okay, so how much, how much do we actually have to build out this inventory? Because this process, um, you, you know, will run through its course Mike and I always personally talk about uh, a Pandora's box uh, 
of, uh, well, you know, once we get the services done and we find out we still have high red leading, uh, red, red, uh, lead readings, where do we go from there? So, you know, it is, it is, how do you, how do you go and get enough information um, so that you can put out projects to actually dig stuff up? No one, no one will use the desktop applications and use those to do, uh, uh, unless they want to start digging up brand new copper pipe. Um, you've got to actually, you know, know what you're digging up before you do it. So, you know, focusing on what these areas are, trying to get what percentage. I mean, the big question we have for Miami is, well, how much do I, of the, my system do I have to inspect to, to get mm-hmm. by? Um, and, and we're using numbers like 10 or 20%. We're not a consulting firm. They have to, they have three leaders. They've got the EPA, they've got the state, they've got even regional city uh, 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 locations that are over them. So um, I, I think that, I think people want to be very careful so they're not, they don't panic customers. Um, customer service, we, we see all the boil water uh, uh, problems that we have going out there. Lead now is another question that customers have. So mm-hmm. I, I think really we're having to help navigate, uh, you know, responding right. to this issue so that they, they can actually, you know, get out of this um, and, and not feel that they're always the, the, the bad, the bad, you know, uh, men and women that are out there working so diligently. Right. Good points, Chuck. Uh, before I jump in, uh, and, and get to Sean and then Mike, the one LinkedIn user made a comment. The problem is only, uh, from the meter to the tap. So the meter to the tap. So I think the problem definitely is not just from the meter to the tap from my knowledge. And it's definitely going into the house at the meter to the house. Uh, you know, there's, there's that also where there was some plumbing put in and I know there's some soldering of lead back then too. So Sean, go ahead and, and comment. Hey, let yeah. me just, let me just clarify something because it came up yesterday. Um, you know, we've got, you know, the first time that the LCR was passed, goosenecks were included. If you had a lead goosenecks, South Florida, they call them horns. Uh, not these kind of horns, but, So the first draft that came out, those were included uh, to be inventory. The second draft excluded goosenecks. And so the ones that were published exclude goosenecks. Now, that's not to say that when the EPA comes out with their new LCRR revision, lead and copper rule revision, that's due October 16th, 2024, the same date the inventory is done. That's not to say that they're going to include them. So I still think you need to know where those are so that you know the things that can bite you. But uh, this reader is incorrect. You just read the black and white. You are responsible from the building footprint to the main. Um, that is that is uh, unambiguous uh, and and absolute. Thanks. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, Sean, go ahead. Jump in. Yeah, no, that's uh, great stuff. Uh, a couple of things I want to hit on is one is perception. So us in the industry, we know what we do and we know what our clients want and do. But then there's what the actual homeowners of residency. So first if, first off is the actual news that go out there. Um, the panic and crisis and bad press. Gosh, there's so much of that out there. And I know one thing from the APWA side of, of my brain is really from an industry perspective, trying to put out the word that in general, our water is really good and really high quality. And let's talk about all the positives. 
so that they're not just hearing all the negative and crisis and negative crisis and people are dying, like all that stuff. There's, there's a lot of really good positives. So let's really w work together here on the actual overall perception. Um, but that being said, there is a challenge there and there, there is an issue. So the next thing, in addition to inventory planning and replacement, is we're really focusing on education. So that's part of the perception side. If we actually tell people how water has changed over the last 40 years and why you have this type of service and how you can help inventory your service. And while we're in there doing water meters, doing little checks of seeing what the, what the, what the material is in the house. There's a lot of little things we can do. And if we actually um, are the ones in charge of that narrative, whether it's the consultant or the PR person at the village or someone else that's really good um, from, from that perspective, let's, let's do more of those things to talk about the positive aspects how they can help and where it ultimately goes. And Chad, your, 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 your point's well taken. I feel like a lot of times in these, in these circles um, or on the, in the, the public sphere, we're talking about who's to blame and who should pay for it. Right. In reality, it's like, there's a lot of different answers and each village is different. And gosh, the, the history there is, is just amazing. Let's focus on what we can do today and what the next step is and how we make the next step better. So the one thing I've noticed with our clients is whether we're <coughs> planning I think most of these regulatory agencies are just looking for progress. So if you're showing annual progress and you're showing you're doing the right thing and here's our plan and I don't have the money to replace this in the next five years, but we're going to replace this all in the next 15 years and here's why. And here's our other things, which is a constant thing for us engineers is it's not just lead water services. There's flooding and then there's wastewater issues and there's ammonia and there's PFAS and there's all these different things and they're all unfunded mandates. And a village has to fund all these things. So it's not just lead. So how do we paint that picture and tell that story of all the different needs and how do we better prioritize those things? So perception education is a really big deal. Love it. Great, great answer uh, in response, Sean. Uh, Mike, I was, I'm gonna, you're going to go and then I have uh, something to say after that. And then Sanjay, you'll be up next. Go ahead, Mike. Well, it, it, it just kind of piggybacking off of Sean and Chuck. Uh, I mean, again, this is, you know, in the infrastructure act that was passed, you know, six months ago or a year ago, whenever it was, you know, they set aside $15 billion for service line replacement. So when it comes to the money part, there is some money there. Does that mean it's going to cover the whole cost? Absolutely not. But there is some money available. One of the bigger issues is, again, it goes back to education and doing what Sean mentioned, this inventory. And, uh, you know, that's what we're talking to all our customers about. What type of inventory do we need to do? When do we need to do it? And I remind all of them, even if you tell me I've got 10,000 services, we don't know what any of them are. I say, get, my response is always get and gather what you can. Get prepared to turn your inventory with a lot of unknowns in uh, on October 16th of 2024. But also everybody needs to remember that even though you turn that in and if you mark it as unknown, the EPA considers it lead, you still have time to up continue the march of finding out what the service lines are and updating the document you turned in because the replacement program goes over a 10 year period. And I don't think that's the 10 year period. Sean help me. Does that not start till 2027? Correct. Yep. The 10 year period. Yes, sir. So 
from 24 to 27, you've got two more years, basically two and a half years to continue to gather information. And in reality, when the mitigation or replacement program starts at your utility, you still have time to update the plan and hopefully stop from ripping out perfectly good material. And of course, I'm cynical and it's because of years in this business. You want to know what everything is because I'm convinced once they do this lead thing, they're coming after the copper next. So, and again, that's my cynicism talking. Uh, I just, you know, just think that's what's coming next, you know, because they're going to have to find a new boogeyman. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I'll mention, and Chuck kind of started to mention it, but the funny thing is, he Chuck mentioned they did testing in Flint, and the house they tested showed high levels of lead and had no lead materials in the house anywhere. The interesting thing is you got to remember Today, right now, all of you can run to Home Depot and you can buy a brand new Chinese faucet that's got lead in it and put it in your home. Yeah. Wow. Because that rule has not kicked in yet where you where it has to be no lead on the end, end products. Now, in our industry, with the corporation stops and and the meter horns and all the other stuff in our industry, yeah, that all stopped and it's no lead or, you know, no lead brass, all that stuff is in place, mm -hmm. but you can still go to Home Depot and you can find stuff that's got lead in it that you can hook to your water system. So, that's a, it, and that's a good point, uh, Mike, it, yeah. you know, I'll get into my conversation. Like what I was going to bring up is kind of a overview real quick of, of as I'm learning more from you guys when you're talking. So the inventory needs to be done by October of 2024, correct? All right. So Correct. we have a year and a half or so to get that done. Hopefully the utilities are working on that and inventorying their service lines. And then we have a 10 year replacement process. Once we determine what has led in it, it sounds like there's a, a, a 10 year replacement like process in place from the EPA. Is that correct? Or am I off on that? That's about right. No, that's, that's correct. Okay, good. All right. So so uh, historically, we really screwed ourselves. Uh, we had no accountability for nothing that we put into the sewers line, you know, service lines, because as we're developing these residential areas, we didn't have enough inspectors going out and building inspectors and checking these pipes. I mean, and plus lead wasn't really a concern back then. So we really messed up <laughs> doing all this uh, data collection we could have had at the beginning. It sounds like what Mike brought up earlier. So if we did... Uh, a better accountability with you know managing our infrastructure data which i preach about and i know chuck does and everybody else here you know data is super important and we're seeing the significance of it right now and if we do not change the way we're taking inventory and collecting that data and managing that data right now another 20 50 years from now we're going to be in the same boat we're like oh no one knows what's going on or who installed what where how uh so that's that's kind of one of my points to this and then um i guess one of the comments that was made here, parts per million, and, and Mike, you, you hit on it at the last uh, your conversation there, was when they turn on the water and they test the, you know, test the water and they still have lead in the house, they're going to call the city and be like, I still have lead. What is going on? And we're still going to be in the same kind of issue the utilities will be with trying to answer that question of, well, did you replace all the lead or didn't you? You know, there's a, all kinds of education that's going to have to happen to to get people to understand that faucets might be a problem 
with lead and, and other uh, appliances that you have in your house. Um, if, go yeah, ahead. If, if you look, if you look, uh, I'm going to say east of the Mississippi River, uh, where pipes are a hundred plus years old, uh, in a lot of cases, the really old cast iron mains use lead pack uh, as their joints. And so if the resin that they used uh, on the inside of the pipe uh, where you put the bell and spigot together, if that wears away and that pipe starts leaking a little bit, it exposes the lead. Mm-hmm. Thus, the lead can get in the water. And so, just so- I mean... It, it's Chuck and I talk about this Pandora's box all the time. <laughs> we get the services all done and we still test lead. Well, now you're going to start replacing all the water mains. I mean, it again, so, this is a very so that's, interesting. That's east of the Mississippi, you know, west of the Mississippi, it's asbestos cement. Oh, yeah. Uh, where they melt, they melt lead, you know, lead. And I can go on YouTube today. And, and have plumbers show me how to make lead ingot, ingots. So, um, <laughs> you know, and we talk about the circular economy, the circular water. So what they're doing is they're taking the lead pipe, take it out of the, then uh, plumbers get that, they melt it into lead ingots, and then they take that uh, unbeknownst to anybody, and they're using that to, to solder joints because it's so easy to, to melt that. So I know cities, I know large cities in the West, that have changed their maps instead of having the maps because they're public domain. Instead of having the maps say AC, they call them CA just mm-hmm. because they don't want people to know that. So, right. you know, we're all in denial. Uh, not a river in <laughs> not a river in Egypt. Uh, yeah. And you know, we we all know where the body. You know, I won't tell you what the city it is. Well, it, it's actually actually in and Chuck even in the Northeast. Go back to New York and Massachusetts. They used a boatload of AC pipe back oh, in the day, yeah. and it, so, it is all lead pack joints. Plus, it's asbestos. I'm going to use a, the word asbestos cement pipe. <laughs> you know, and so go ahead, freak your customers out when you use the word asbestos. <laughs> oh, Let's do that. And oh yeah, it's fantastic. I that mean, gets even worse. So wait, yeah. uh, guys, can I, uh, yeah. just from my knowledge of learning, okay. So you're telling me there's transmission lines that still have lead joints. Is that correct? Oh, heavens, yes. Oh, <laughs> Holy oh God, my goodness. <laughs> so wait, I, you know, I'm only going because there was a comment that the transmission and the distrib- distribution is, is known. Like everyone knows this. Is that is that the case? Oh, yeah. yeah. So everyone knows. Well, okay. Everybody yeah. in the industry knows it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, and the cities obviously know it because... Because they've got hundred-year-old pipes. I mean, and all and all the customers, Sean and I, tra- travel the same circles in the Chicago metro. Yeah, and and there's pipe in the ground that's over a hundred years old. Here in Valparaiso, there's yeah. pipe in the ground over a hundred years old, and it was all put together with lead pack. Wow. I mean, that was just the way it was built, and no one's taking that pipe out because it still works fine. So, yeah. you, wow. no one's going to take it out because it works fine, but it's still there's a little asterisk by it. Now, what yeah. are we going to do? Sean, now, go ahead, Sean. Yeah, I know yeah, you just, jump in. just real quick. And I, I love this conversation. Um, the one thing to add was just to remind folks, if there's some lay people or residents here, there's a reason why we add some chemical additives, you know, orthophosphate, different Thank things. Thank you. That kind of coats the pipe <laughs> and protects us. So 
we're drinking high quality water. There's 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 things yeah. that we've done from a chemical engineering and in, in operations perspective to, to coat those things to protect us. So that's why this isn't an immediate thing. We got to replace every pipe tomorrow. It's because we've right. done things over the past couple of decades to protect us from that. Right. And I encourage anybody that's listening here that is like a resident or a non water person. Uh, go to your utility, your city's website, and the the consumer confidence report for your water is on that site, and it's done annually, and it will list everything and anything that that could be or may be a problem, and you'll find that 99.9% of the time, everything on there is within and or below EPA guidelines. Right. So you, you know, Sean is a hundred percent right. The water you're drinking is safe and first quality, but what we're talking about now is where problems happen and where issues occur. And that's what issue occurred in Flint, Michigan. The coatings were all washed off the lines because of what they did. And that's where the criminal negligence came in and people are going to jail because of it. Uh, that's a separate issue, but that's what brought this whole lead lead story up. Yeah. Uh, in reality, most children get lead poisoning because they eat paint. Uh, and sadly, there are old buildings out there that still have multiple coats of lead paint, lead based paint. That explains a lot of what I have going on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Sanjay, did you want to jump in? I know we kind of. Yeah, I'll, I'll quickly add something. I think from a from a uh, technology perspective, looking at everything that's going on today, people are online. People like to see data. Uh, you know, data. They 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 look at references uh, and they need information. And it's it's all about perception, right? I mean, you see something big happens and then uh, it just uh, becomes a major problem and everybody starts talking about it, right? So uh, so if we know uh, what the lead per deciliter, is that what they call it, uh, at source versus if we can measure what it is at the, at the node, uh, if there is a sensor that tells you what it is and then sends an alert if it goes over a certain, certain level uh, to then, um, then issue an alert to whoever is at the utility to go and check that specific line. And then if everything else is working fine, you know, just like your regular water meter, can we have another sensor that gives, uh, that alerts you when things go wrong so that someone can get notified and take a look at it? You know, it's all about creating that comfort. I mean, no matter how much you write on your website or talk to people telling them how great the water is, once they get a bad uh, perception through someone else's experience, they, it's going to uh, create fear uh, and all kinds of doubts in their mind uh, about the overall infrastructure. I think so. That's where right. technology today can help in some of these. And I do. Uh, I do. I, I truly do think that technology is going to catch up and we are, you know, with what we're doing now, right now, we just have to find the service lines that have the most lead in them. Right. I mean, we have to figure out and inventory this stuff first. got to gather the data and information. And it may not be as big a problem as, uh, you know, Michael, Chuck, you know, Sean, we've been talking water is good, you know, people in a lot of locations, but I think people need to be brought into confidence and technology can do that in the most cost-effective way. So you don't have to go and change the entire infrastructure. Maybe it's just a small portion that yeah. needs to yeah. be, uh, you know. Great points, Sanjay. 
so my 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 whole thing with that is is okay. So now we you know we're inventorying. Let's say we inventory the the lead in the service lines. We have that information. We start to replace these service lines that we found as as containing all the lead. And then uh, one Michael had a great question: uh, Who's going to be responsible in the future for the lines once the city takes the <laughs> initiative to find all this stuff and replace maybe the service lines? Uh, what are the next steps? Would the city be responsible for, for the maintaining the line after that? I think the hope is to give it back to the, back to the homeowner. So like yep. we've seen a lot on the sewer side is, okay, so we got some funding. We'll replace this for you. But once it's there, it's now yours. It's very similar like, like roadway, roadway jurisdictions with IAT other places. So I think that's the overall intent. And um, But that being said, each village is a little different. Um, and getting back to right. perception, like as a homeowner, I have a gas service and electrical service. Do I own the service? Oh, wait, no, I don't. But yeah, in the water and sewer, I, I do. Why don't, how about you just take care of everything? So there's a lot of different ways it could go, but ultimately I think the villages are gonna to wanna to replace it using whatever funds and then give it back to the homeowner. Yeah. I have, I have a quick comment to add to what you're saying, uh, Sean. I think uh, when I look at it, uh, look at all the stakeholders that are involved here. What happens when somebody uh, get sick from lead poisoning. You know, the, it's a huge burden on the uh, on the uh, overall healthcare system as well, right? So insurance costs, uh, health. So there's a lot of different stakeholders involved here. So why not, uh, you know, uh, have these sensors in place uh, and and get all the ecosystem players involved, utility companies, insurance, uh, all the other folks. You know, so. Uh, there might be something in it for them to make sure uh, you know they are reducing their overall cost as well. So there might be something in there. Uh, there might be more yeah. than just uh, the utility company that could participate in this. Chuck, Mike. Well, we, we have such a highly fragmented system. Like I said, you know, fifty thousand water utilities, um, and these cities, these villages, their main source of funds is revenue from water and sewer that pays for police, fire, uh, uh, you know, parks, everything else. So, um, you know, there there has been privatization moves. There has been amalgamation. Um, there has been counties that kind of consolidate these things. That's you know, that's that's something that that will occur, you know, slowly over our lifetimes. Um, we could look at doing something like the UK did. Uh, the UK privatized their water system. So they've got really 10, 12 big water and sewer companies. And in 2013, what did they do? Overnight, they took responsibilities for all of the service lines. Now, there is some definitions of what is a service line. So, you know, because they've got some, some complex, you know, uh, uh, you know residential uh, apartment buildings. You know, but it is basically that line that goes off of the main to the building or to the next line that is split is now owned, managed, and the responsibility of the water utility in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, that would be a major thing. But I just, I just don't see those happening with the, the highly fragmented municipal uh, model that we that we have. Certainly not in my lifetime. So, right. um, and sensors, sensors are great, um, you know, but, but you're talking about putting sensors everywhere uh, and, you know, what's the cost benefit of that. And I'm a big believer in, in, uh, you know, the internet of things and getting all the information that we can have in there. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's going to have to be at critical junctures um, and to even have a sensor at one every 10,000 feet. Um, you're mm -hmm. still not 
not dictating where that source problem is. And as we look at leak detection, you know, the thing is, uh, when we do boil water, it's not, you know, water going out of the pipe, it's contaminants coming into the pipe. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so different technologies have to look for the holes. Uh, and, um, you know, that's not what the industry really has presented. So got a lot of challenges, a lot of things that are going to be coming up. And unfortunately, those are the things that make the press uh, and, you know, having a main break of a line that you've just inspected or, or, or just, uh, you know, uh, done, a, done a, a leak test on. So those, those issues, that dynamic is going to continue. Yeah. Yeah. Good points, Chuck. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I was going to say there, I was reading the comments, you know, and, and uh, the last comment uh, was there's no guarantee turning it over to the homeowner will work in the EPA's vision. And sadly that's true because as we know, the EPA's vision changes about every quarter. <laughs> so I agree with Sean, I'm going to replace all these service lines and turn it right back over to the homeowner. But who knows 10 years from now what the EPA says. And please know that in the legislation that started this whole hunt for lead service line, in the legislation that was passed by our Congress, it specifically states you, the water utility, will replace that line because people have argued, well, that's private property. I can't go on private property. And if you read the legislation, uh, they told you you were going to. Mm, good points. Good they passed points. it into law. So it's a fun thing when Congress does stuff because they had no idea what they were doing because they were just going off a full panic mode after the whole disaster in Flint. Yeah. So that's how you do legislation in full panic mode. You just blanket it with no <laughs> thought process. Shaw, do you want to jump in on that one? Yeah. No, well said. Um, one, one thing I just want to add uh, to, to that in this whole picture is um, another big part, again, just getting back to who's going to pay for it and who's going to own it. But a, a big part of this is there's a lot of really low income communities that just cannot, oh. the village can't afford it. And homeowners really can't afford it. So there's a huge, and, and they have probably the worst data. Um, and there's all these different angles and challenges there. So um, uh, I, my, my wife could talk a lot, a lot better, better about this than I would. She's more of a water strategist. But there's a huge need of fairness and equality. And, and that whole thing is, is a really big deal. So we really don't want to see Flint happen or Jackson or other places. So whatever help we can get from up top, from funding, to help those folks is going to be a real big deal. That's a huge deal for all of us. Well, I think guys is man, water is from just what I'm learning is, is a massive uh, undertaking uh, because we have so many leaks happening right now and it's only going to get worse in the next 10 years with the leaks. And then we're trying to fix and solve the lead issues that are constantly plaguing our, our, our infrastructure right now with all the stuff going on with different cities and having water issues and leads one of those, but it's, it's such a big problem that we don't, have i mean you look at the federal infrastructure funding it went the water system needs its own like funding like we have it for roads but we don't have it for water that people drink every day and it's amazing to me that we don't have uh, a, a decent amount of money coming to us so that we can solve these leaks and fix well, the, the old pipes and things the, like that so the ar ahead. the argument for water and sewer and the reason we don't have quote a funding source is the argument is and sean pointed out the 
problem with it. But the argument is water and sewer is a self-funding mechanism because they charge fees. Mm -hmm. So that's why they don't, you know, just like the, the, the tri-state toll road doesn't get or shouldn't get any federal funding because they charge a fee to drive on it. So they generate revenue to pay for it. That's their argument with water and sewer. Unfortunately, in like the case of Flint, Michigan, but we've got little Dixmore, Illinois over here. That's, you know, every other week we're, we're there trying to save them from a leak and their name is in the paper, but it's a unbelievably poor community and who's going to pay for it. I have yeah. no idea. I mean, that's I a, mean, yeah, no, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic, Mike, for sure. As far yeah. as how we can improve these, uh, you know, diversify equity and inclusion and, and, and then help these in areas that are low income and, and, and get them up off the ground. So, uh, but the water system, you know, is just one of those places we just need to do better management, do better data management and look at the materials that we're bringing into now. Like what materials are we putting in the ground now? So that we don't have this problem another 50 years from now. I hope that we're really looking at those materials because those are going to be important. We're putting in PVC pipes, you know, all this big petroleum PFAS is what you called it, Sean. You know, I'm still learning about that, too. I mean, we're putting in petroleum pipes. Uh, you know, is that going to be an issue down the road for leaching, just like our water bottles? Like, that's a concern of mine. I, I think about that. Is Are we going to end up running into that problem down the road? Just I'm curious. we got like seven minutes left if we want to just chat. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a great question. That's a really great question. Um, you can, you can, when my house was brand new and we put it, they put in all the red and blue PEX pipe, uh, for the, for the, for our house. If you didn't run the tap for a minute and you took that first drink of water, it tasted like plastic. Hmm. That's true. I mean, that was yeah. brand new house. Yes. So yeah. just, I just laughed about it because I'm like, yeah, you know, everybody's got a perfect answer until, <laughs> until it it's in there for a hundred years. And then they realize that oops. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're yeah. right. Oops. Yeah. Sean, yeah. did you want to add some? Yeah, Chad, I was going to, I was going to add. So we do a lot of rate studies and, and rate type of help for our, our clients and really getting back to what, what Mike was saying about. Um, so we, uh, our residents pay for their water usage and too often we do a rate study and say their average bill should be $100 per month. And then first off, the residents are, are fighting it because they're already paying 100 bucks for their cell phone, but they don't want to pay 100 bucks for water, which is an issue. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, because of our elected officials maybe not knowing the importance or the don't have the education or knowledge of water, they're not willing to stick their neck out because they want to get um, uh, elected next time right. to raise water weights by, by 40% when that's really what needs to happen. So. There's, there's a, a thing there where we really got to work on our elected officials to show the importance of water and get those water rates to where they really should be. That's a great point, Sean. I think you're spot on with that. I think our rates are super low. Uh, my daughter came up to me and we were talking about the water bill spontaneously. And she was like, what do you, what do you, I asked her, what do you think we pay a month for the water bill? Cause she runs the showers or in the showers too long. And I'm like correcting my kids, stop taking too long of showers. She's like, well, $700 a month. I was like, uh, try like, maybe $50 a month. <laughs> so, so it's, it, we're definitely off when it comes to, uh, you know, our water billing and, and user rates, uh, you know, studies and things like that. Anybody else want to add, we got like four more minutes left, uh, to some of this topic and then we'll wrap it up. 
Well, I just, you know, I just want to kind of add a point. It may be, uh, 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 you know, a little controversial, but, you know, the, the types of pipes that we use today are really guided by the suppliers. Oh, they, they really aren't guided by legislation. They're what the suppliers deem that we should purchase. And mm -hmm. I say that only because most of the, the requirements are all to an ASTM standard, which is guided by who else? The suppliers. suppliers. <laughs> so here in the United States, um, you know, as long as as long as you have a pipe that is passed by ASTM, uh, that is sponsored pretty much by the uh, <laughs> plastic water community, that is what we're going to be putting in the pipes, and that's what we have to deal with. Um, and so, you know, we we really don't have much control over that, nor nor will we. Uh, there may be some European models that are coming out. Um, and certainly as climate change heats up and, and, you know, studies in sustainability and resiliency really look at this uh, and the pipe materials, um, it, we're only going to have kind of the, the small voices out of Purdue, uh, you know, in the construction plumbing market that is kind of raising their hand when they see a material that's not quite adequate. Um, but, um, you know, under threat of lawsuit, uh, you know, even, even they are quieted a bit. So yeah. we're really guided by that. Let's do the best we can with what the system that we that we get, and uh, and and uh, try and try and give the customer value for his money. That's good points, Chuck. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, everything is guided by what we're given, right? Supplies. Right. Your, your supplies is what you have. This is your choices, right? Pick one or the other. <laughs> so if you're stuck with just PVC pipes, you're, you know, that's that, and that's what you select down the road. I just look at it. I'm like, are we going to be digging this back up again and doing this all over again, which would be a whole nother nightmare. It'll keep us all employed. That's for sure. And, and running businesses. Lifetime oh, employment. That's Lifetime it. Employment. <laughs> right. Right. The, uh, this is, this is an industry that I guarantee you, you should be working in water and sewer because it's a forever industry. <laughs> you no won't be let you won't be laid off and you won't be yeah no not in this industry right right well we got two minutes left sean jay yeah so i think i think um this is not gonna uh, you know digging up each and every pipe out of the ground and trying to fix the entire infrastructure is obviously not the solution because i don't even think uh, uh the problem is that big i think it needs to be measured monitored uh, we need to know, uh, unless we know exactly what the problem is, trying to come up with a solution is uh, is probably more risky, <laughs> uh, in my opinion. Uh, you know, so you need to know, diagnose and find out the problem first. Well, we all know it's a big issue. Uh, I think right now uh, we need to stop the leaks. We need to find the lead and we need to inventory our assets. And then we really need to triage and then take the repair steps that are needed to get right. the lead out of the system and, and fix the 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 leaky systems that we have out there throughout America, because it's, it's, if you start doing the math on the leaks, uh, wow. I think the problem is the leaks and, uh, and probably issue. Chuck hit it right there. You know, there's so many disruptions in the pipe, things are coming into the pipe from <laughs> it's getting, it's yeah. infiltrating the pipe, piping infrastructure after it's left the source. You know, that's what happened. Yeah. You got it guys. So uh, we got 60 seconds left, 59 seconds. I thank you all for, joining me on this first infrastructure water roundtable discussion. I think it went really well. Thank you uh, to all the comments and the, the listeners out there on LinkedIn and all the other channels we have going on. And uh, like I said, it's not going to solve it. Well, I don't know if I said it, but I'm going to say it now. 
we're not going to solve this overnight. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to keep, you know, keep talking about it because I think education is the way we're going to solve a lot of these issues and get these co maybe controversial issues out there uh, like suppliers, things like that. But let's talk about it. This is the only way we're going to bring uh, education, you know, educating people into what the problems are and, and, and really start solving these issues for sure. So thank you guys so much for joining me. Appreciate it. Thanks for having thank us. You. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks guys. Have a great day, everybody. Take care.